0: Good morning, friends. Today's message, are you called to be a servant? And this is from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 to 9. Now, I want to begin with the observation that servanthood, if it is going to be real, must be seen on the job. Now, some of you are going to say, hold it, well, I'm retired. Well, no such thing as retirement for the Christ follower. You know, reposition, refresh, rekindle, rejuvenate, whatever it is, you're still called to be on the job to serve other people. That's why i will tell you, it's just not enough just to come to church and talk about being a servant. If you're really going to serve, it must be seen where you work, if you have a full-time job, or where you, in, you uh, interact with other people. Now, there are at least three reasons why that's true. Reason number one, servanthood has to be seen uh, out on the job, if you will, because that's where you're going to spend most of your life. Uh, no matter what your job is or how many times you change, if you work full-time over the course of 50 or 60 years, whether you're retired and you still interact with people, you're always going to be in some sort of a workplace. Servanthood needs to be seen there. Reason number two, servanthood has to be seen uh, because that's where your faith is most clearly seen. I mean, inside the church, um, we're going to make an assumption that we're all Christ followers. We're all saints of God. We all say that we love Jesus. But you know, when we're out in public, whether it's me sitting in a coffee shop, you hanging out with people in your retirement center, uh, whether it's uh, people at work, whether it's people at school, whatever it is, every day we rub shoulders with people who probably do not know Jesus. You know, it's one thing to say, well, I'm a servant in here. It's another thing to say, I'm going to be a servant out there in the world. Now, what did Jesus say? He said, you are the light of the world. The city set on the hill cannot be hid. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Above the doorway on the way out at Lord of Life, we had a um, a little thing that was written up there. Somebody painted it for us. It said, you are now entering the mission field. Go and make disciples. See, the way you show your Christian faith is by your Christian spirit and the good that you do outside that church. I mean, don't talk to me about being a servant. Show it to me by the way you live. And by the way, hold me to the same standard. Now, reason number three, servanting must be seen outside because this is where servanthood is most needed in our world. We all know the American system is based on capitalism. We all know that capitalism is based on competition. And I want to tell you, competition is not bad. It can be incredibly good. It can be very healthy, motivate you to do your best. But competition in a fallen world often becomes ugly, it's negative, it's mean-spirited. Well, let's face it out, in this world, it is a dog-eat-dog cutthroat world. Out there, you're told that the way to the top is to look out for number one, that would probably be you, to climb as fast as you can, step on people on the way, get on top, fight as hard as you can to stay there. It's mean out there, folks, it's tough, it's hard, it's cold, and there aren't very many servants, it seems, in today's society. So what does a servant look like out in the world? Well, the answer may surprise you. Let's look at Ephesians 6, 5 to 9. Let me tell you, the preceding verses dealt with husbands and wives and children and parents. Now, you can see Paul's attitude here. He's talking about being a servant in marriage and being a servant at home. But now he's going to talk about being a servant out in the world. Now, when he says the word slave, just think of the word employee. And when he says master, just think of the employer or owner. And notice in this passage that there are two levels. There is one level of being a slave. There's also one of being a master. And that's good because most of us live on both levels at the same time. I mean, most people are both slaves and masters. Most of us have people that we work for or interact with, people who are over us, people we answer to. Most of us have people on our own level, and most of us have people who are what we'd say were under us or who answer to us in some way. So for most of us, aspects of being a slave and aspects of being a master will apply to us directly. Now, what is God's word to those of us uh, who, well, work for a living? Well, in one word, the word obey. He said, slaves obey. Not much tricky about that. I think we all pretty much know what it means to obey. When we get to our job, we are to do what we're told. I mean, exactly how are we to do that? What does obedience and servanthood look like on the job? Well, let me give you four ways to act out if you're still employed or if you're unemployed or if you're deployed or whatever you are, if you're deployed, How can you do this? Well, first of all, whatever you're called to do, do it respectfully. Now, verse five says, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear. Some translations say with fear and trembling. Now that's to say that when you when you go to work in the morning you ought to go with fear and trembling that you might do a good job that day. It means you ought to take your job seriously, uh, unless you do a poor job and have no job. Now many of us take what God has given us to do lightly. The Bible says that when you go to your job and that may just be a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad. It may be a retired person, it may somebody be in a retirement center. It may be people who have an honest to goodness paycheck-to-paycheck job. But we do it with fear and trembling so that we can do our best work. That ought to be a standard for those who who name the name of Jesus. I can tell you that somehow today we've kind of lost that attitude in America. We've lost the idea of doing good work. We've lost in our culture the idea of doing a good day's work for a good day's pay. We've lost the idea of coming in and doing a job and giving 100% to what God gives us to do. I mean, in our society, we've lost the idea of craftsmanship. We've lost the idea of workmanship. We've lost the idea of excellence. Uh, the idea that work is actually a noble pursuit. I mean, far too many of us, Christ followers and non-Christ followers alike, work is what you do so you get to the weekend. That, that's, that is not a biblical view. Our view ought to be that God is gracious to us to give us something to do, and we are going to do good work because he has given it to us. Now, some of you know I have written a sermon every week for probably close on to 40 years. I, I want to I always want to be ready, in season out of season. You might want to say, uh, I'm not going to slack off just because I no longer pastor a church. I mean, what God has called me to do, whether it be preaching, you know, occasionally helping out, teaching Bible class, or whether it means ministering to guys down at Angola, I'm going to give it my best shot because that's what God has called me to do and the same should be true for you. Well, second, do your work sincerely. It says with sincerity of heart. This means with uh, concentration. Now, now the word uh, sincerity has the idea of focusing all of your mental powers, putting all else aside, focusing on the job at hand. Now, how many of us come to our job to do a project, and in about five minutes, we find ourselves diddling or fiddling and getting itchy and hungry and thirsty. We have somebody else to talk to. We got to get up and move around and I'm kind of talking about myself, too. I know exactly what I'm talking about, because my attention span sometimes is pretty short. But listen, if we're going to be Christians on the job, we have to concentrate on the job God has given us. We need to give it that 100% effort. That word sincerity also literally means uh, no folds. Uh, Picture one of those Roman robes that has a lot of folds in it. When you looked at it, you could not see the whole thing because it was all folded up. Paul is saying that when you work, there ought to be no folds in your motivation, no secret ideas, no secret plans, no hidden agendas, no secret reasons. If you're going to be a Christ follower in a place where you're working, what you see is what you get. You ought to be able to say, you don't have to worry about me. You don't have to worry about my motivation or whether I'm going to be loyal or do my job because as a Christ follower, being sincere means there's nothing tricky or hidden on the inside. What that means is that you promise to show up at 730, you show up at 730. You don't come waltzing at 745, 8, 845, 9 o'clock with some lousy excuse. It means that if you say that you're going to call on somebody, you'll move heaven and earth to call on that person. It means if you say you're going to be late, then you will stay late. It means if you're given a tough assignment, you'll do it. That's what it means to be a servant on whatever calling God has for you. So let's not make this so pie in the sky. It just means that you show up, do your job, work hard, get paid well for it, because, well, as a Christ follower, you want to be an example of who Christ is in your life. See, we really ought to be some of the most motivated people in the world, the most productive. We ought to be the ones working the hardest, giving 100% all the time. Why? Because we're not just working for an earthly master. Whatever we do, we do for Jesus Christ. Now, some of us are worried about witnessing to people around us. Now, you, want to tell me, you want me to tell you the best way to witness to people around you? I'd suggest do good work. Excellence open do, opens up doors for evangelism. Good workmanship opens doors. Craftsmanship opens doors. Determination and perseverance opens doors. Now, every once in a while, I heard people talking about Christ followers who have just tried to cram Jesus down people's throats at work or in the marketplace. Over the years, as I've investigated those cases, basically every time those cases come to my attention, the problem is that they were preaching Jesus a little too much and working too little. It's been my experience that when you truly do good work, God opens doors for your witness. I really believe that if you will just do what God's called you to do, get back to what God has given you to do, and if you work with excellence and perseverance, God will open doors. Well, here's the third thing. Do your work conscientiously. Verse 6, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Jesus, doing the will of God from your heart. Now, older versions say it this way, not with eye service as men pleasers. Well, eye service is you're kind of sitting around and somebody says, quick, here comes the boss, and you quickly clean off your desk and you suddenly, you're hard at work, making phone calls, filing, whatever you're supposed to be doing. That's eye service. Now, but what does man-pleasers mean? It means trying to do something, not because it needs to be done, but simply to earn favor with your boss. There's another term for that. I'm not going to go into it here. Now, what's wrong with eye service and being a man-pleaser? Well, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Verse 6 says, but like slaves of Jesus. Now, our problem is we read this text not realizing how revolutionary this text is. It was written to men and women who were born in chains and to those men and women born in servitude. The word of Jesus is, don't think of yourself as a slave of man. Think of yourself as a slave of Jesus. Do your job because you're working for Jesus. Do it because you're doing the will of God from your heart. Do it because Jesus is watching. Do your work conscientiously means using your lips, your eyes, your ears, your hands, your feet in the service of Jesus Christ, no matter what your calling is, whether you still have a full-time job or whether you are, a quote, retired. And You already know what I think about that word. You do your work not for a boss, not for your spouse, not for other people, not for your paycheck, but because Jesus is watching. And that's revolutionary. And finally, do your work eagerly. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord. That's what Paul wrote. Notice how this comes up again and again. Do it with all your heart, all your mind, as if you were serving Jesus and not other people. Because you know that the Lord rewards people for whatever good they do, whether they're slave or free. Now, this is the opposite of uh, working with kind of a crabby spirit. This is the opposite of working half-heartedly. This is the opposite of working with a lazy attitude. This is the opposite of doing your work while you're dreaming of finding another job. Do you have a job? Would you like a promotion? I'll give you a little secret about how to get a promotion. Go back to work tomorrow, do your work eagerly, and throw yourself into it. You know, when people are looking to promote people, what are they looking for? People who are wholehearted, eager, 110% committed. I hate to say it, but this world is filled with lazy, led-butt, no-good, no-count workers. I mean, every corporation is filled with people like that. You want a promotion? Do what the Bible says. Somebody's going to notice. One Bible commentator I I read said it this way. It is the conviction of every Christian worker that what he produces must be good enough to show to God. How about what you produced this week? Is that what you did this week? Was it good enough to show God? I mean, what about students? What you did in your classwork this week, was it good enough to show to God? See, this cuts through all of the nonsense we hear today about work being something you just do so you can have fun with your life. No, friends, if you have a calling, and we all have a calling, you're going to view your, your calling as a ministry, a mission field. You're called to do your job as much as I'm called to do mine. I mean, sometimes we talk about it as if it only refers to pastors and missionaries, but that's not true. If you have a job, it's your calling in life. That's why Martin Luther said even a dairymaid can milk cows to the glory of God. Now, verse 8 tells us that the reason you do it is that the Lord will reward you. Now, I think the number one problem that many of us face in a sermon like this is the discouragement of feeling that nobody pays any attention to what we do. And yeah, I've had a few jobs like that in my life where I, I felt that if I gave 25%, 50%, 75%, 100%, it didn't really make any difference. It just didn't seem like it was going to affect anything and nobody was going to notice. And yes, I'll say that's been true on occasion as I was a teacher and as I've been a pastor. And that can be discouraging. Now, sometimes these are thankless jobs and there, there is really such a thing, at least from an earthly point of view. It's truly thankless. But let's face it. Most of us do not expect to be praised for what we do. The three phases we fear the most are, could I talk to you for a minute? Would you stay after work for just a moment? And worst, we've been watching you. Now that strikes fear into anybody's heart, including mine, because we expect that if somebody's been watching us, it's because they're going to kick us. I mean, what we're told here is that God is watching, not in order to kick you, but in order to reward you. That everything you do on the job, every piece of work you produce is seen and will be rewarded, because God will be no man's debtor. Now just notice two rules for the boss. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, for there is no favoritism with God. So, one, don't threaten. Two, there's no partiality. There are two things that bosses and parents have trouble with. We make threats, we crush dreams, we push people down, we play favorites, we wonder why things don't work out. Now notice the reason in the text for not doing that. Do not do it because both master, because both their master and yours is in heaven. There is a master above the master. There is a boss above the boss. Maybe just a word for those of you who either own your own company, you're the boss, or you're self-employed. What's the bottom line today from the world's point of view? It's how much money did you make? How big is your business? Where do you rank? What kind of empire do you have? How much of this world's goods do you control? Our text is telling us that if you are an owner or an employer or boss when you get to heaven, God is not going to ask you how much profit you made, how many people you had working for you, how big your empire was, or your tax profit. Uh, he, He's only going to ask you one question. How did you treat people? Well, if you treat people under you like dirt, in that day it won't matter that you made money, because in that day your money will be gone and your empire will vanish, and the only thing that will be left is the record of how you treated people in that, in this life. That's a solemn <clears throat> thought. So Christ follows, who are you working for? Who are you speaking for? Who are you calling for? Who are you selling for? Who are you teaching for? Who are you hanging out at the coffee shop for? I mean, who are you investing for? Who are you contacting? Who are you working for? If you're only working for an earthly master, our text is telling us you're wasting your life. Behind the earthly master stands the heavenly master. Behind your boss stands the boss. Behind the top gun stands the top gun. Um, behind the chairman of the board stands the chairman of the universe, and behind the home office stands the real home office. When you do a good job, you are serving Jesus just as much as a missionary on the other end of the earth. The other side is also true. When you cheat your boss, do poor shoddy work, when you're lazy, when you show up late, when you're not respectful, conscientious, uh, etc., you're sinning against God as much as the cheapest thief on the street. Friends, all I'm saying this morning is we need an army of servants. God help us that we could be like Jesus who said, I am among you as one who serves. God bless. Until the next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion.